It's a me, a new podcast for you. It is October 3rd, 2nd, 10, 2, 1, 3. It's the two to the chest, one of the head of video games. Let's do this. Five seven three two six. It's October second, twenty thirteen. This is Idle Thumbs one hundred twenty six. I am Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin, and I am Sean Vanneman. Hello. I really liked your cadence. Thank you. It was okay. <laughs> War out its welcome. Yeah, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had like <laughs> shelf life of a hot pocket there. Just good for about two seconds. Before it comes out of the microwave, after it comes out of the microwave, really two seconds? They it's basically molten, and then they just after. But the moment a hot pocket congeals, it is worthless. Yeah, it is like Schrodinger's hot pocket. Because there's like there's the hot pocket is burning your mouth temperature, and then there is that like two seconds, like oh this is pretty good, and then it gets cool past that, at which point Mm. you should throw it away. Um, yeah, I don't think I've had a hot pocket since I was a kid. They've actually, huh? Ham and cheese hot pocket. They've Pretty actually good. re uh, formulated all hot pockets in the lineup. All hot pockets are like taste a little different now. They, they don't taste any different. They're they just do. called. It's not called <laughs> ham and cheese. It's called fucking artisanal like ham. Artisanal, and yeah, yeah like it's like smoked blend. ham and quattro formaggio hot pocket. <laughs> you know it. Black. It's probably black it's forest. It's probably black forest. No one knows what the fuck black it's forest ham black is. Forest I just imagine like, a, like a, a like Hansel and Gretel style forest just full of hogs. Just right. It's in fact, the I like a misty. <laughs> yeah, right. Wood. It is, it's a haunted forest ham, actually. <laughs> God, I was going to work today, and there was an ad at Subway for a Tuscan chicken sandwich for like four dollars. What the fuck do you have from Tuscany that you the can Tuscan sell for four dollars at Subway? The Tuscan economy. These harsh economic times. The Tuscans have had to start selling a Subway <laughs> yeah. now to export their artisanal goods at yeah. rock bottom prices. <laughs> God, next they'll be in fucking hot pockets. <laughs> There's probably a fucking Tuscan chicken hot pocket. I hope so. I kind of want to keep talking about hot pockets. <laughs> I really hope a box of them show- And I don't want a box of them show up. <laughs> oh, God, I want a box of We don't even have a microwave We're only here once a week, yeah. Hot Pockets still uses the Hot Pockets jingle at the end of their ad. Hot Pockets. Yeah, but no. it actually has made me notice I've been watching a lot of Hulu recently uh, because just I have. Hearing um, Lee Everett every, every time? Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of Lee Everett. But also... Jingles are in right now. It's really weird. Yeah, there's multiple ads. Like ads ending in a jingle is super surprising because they died for a minute. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, also the other thing that's in right now is jingles at the end of a commercial that does like some kind of stupidly indulgent, like uh, hyper indulgent. <laughs> oh, you know, like I think it's it's like the the um, Old Spice was like the real big breakout example of that. But now, like. Seems like almost every commercial for every every anyone that's Are you get you're fully gonna Andy Rooney right now? I guess. I don't know. Like anything <laughs> that's targeting people in our demographic basically, uh a really easy way to make a commercial seems like you can just put a bunch of totally insane shit in a commercial, then have an old timey jingle at the end of it, and it's like right. super hip. That seems to be what Well if there's like a cling at the very end of it. As yeah, well. yeah, I get you. Like the 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 Old Spice commercial, I saw yeah on Hulu as well. Actually, it's, <laughs> I saw an Old Spice commercial the other day. That was it's just like it's a song that sounds like it was from the eighties or nineties in a very kind of straight laced jingle sort of way. But then it just ends with like and lizards are eating your legs, and then there's the guy who's just getting eaten by lizards, and that's the end of the commercial. Sounds good, and it's just an Old Spice commercial. But it's like they, there's no. It's not even like the the original 
Old Spice Crazy Your Man Smells Like This commercial where it's like an elaborate, like sort of astonishing series of events. Mm-hmm. It's just the non – it's just like a thing, straight right lace, the, then a non sequitur, then it's over. And it's that's like the, the in, only the inside of the Hot Pocket. There's no, no delicious <laughs> no, crispy no crust. No delicious crust. Yeah. Anyway, this is the dumbest conversation ever. How do you guys feel about video games? I would say strong to moderately strong. Okay. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of Mario still. Yeah, I've still been playing a lot of Spelunky. It's, it's just like chomping Mar- away it's like Mario. Nerd's rope right now. Well, Thank you, David Wayne. Nerd's rope. Gotta eat him. Um, do you want to talk about Planetary Annihilation for a sec? Yeah. That game's so hard. I mean, I imagine that once there's a single-player campaign or any sort of campaign that walks you through, make a guy, move a guy, congratulations, you achieved a, mo- a small goal. Like, the game is probably amazing because I can imagine just... Once you learn how to achieve one goal in that game, you could achieve a grander goal, like blowing up an entire planet. So, <laughs> Planetary Annihilation is a real-time strategy game done by Uber Entertainment, where you have uh, multiple planets in orbit of a sun. We were playing two-on-two, uh, two, or two planets, plan- two planets in our orbit, but multiple people on the planet. You're playing a 4v4 match, I think. Right, where you uh, have can rotate the planet in 360 any different way you want, and you move units around on its surface, and you just destroy an enemy. We were, didn't know... It's in beta right now. It's on Steam. It was a Kickstarter game, and now it's just straight-up early access on Steam for, like, full price. It's, like, 60 bucks. But um, we were playing, just on the Twitch stream before we started, a 4-on-4 match, and I've never played a game like this, but the four people on your team all have just complete control of every unit in your army (laughs) yeah there's no differentiation it's just basically four single player players and i imagine there's going to be some sort of like ui element that says hey that guy's got this selected right now but i don't know if the network infrastructure supports that at this moment because you don't even know if somebody else has a unit that you're trying to control selected until it sort of doesn't do the thing you want it to do i wish that we had brecken here um i say that a lot in life i know but just my experience with real-time strategy games is so slim that I look at it and I'm just like, wow, it's on a sphere. You can zoom out and you can look at space. And he would call you a baby. And then he'd be like, but yeah. We're too bad at it to have a reasonable opinion other than it seems really compelling, I think. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I played a bit of it during the alpha, but it was really early and uh, it was just too uh, – this this was more coherent. The alpha when I played it was really uh, – it, it was just – it was interesting because seeing it as I played in Alpha when it was really early and then seeing it again in Beta where it's more of a game but you know still doesn't have any of the sort of things that a new player would need to actually mm-hmm. come to terms with it in a way that is, uh, you know, lets you ramp up. Um, it's, it really, it's very suggestive about like what the role of early access games is. You know, like the... This game's been playable since it was in a pretty early state relative to what it will be when it's considered done. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of people in their community. Like I've, I, when I was in the alpha, I looked, I was kind of poking around on their forums a while. And there are a lot of people in their community for whom they understand so much what the kind of end goal of this and what the general nature of the game is. What the implied like the subtlety, exactly, should be. Yeah. That to them, it's like, okay, well, you know, obviously this isn't done. But I can kind of see where it's going, and that allows me to just appreciate the things that are there in a way that is actually fairly rich. Right. You know, whereas I think for us, um, where, like, I've played Supreme Commander, and, like, God, I have played Total Annihilation a million years ago, but I was, you know, that's that's never a kind of game that I dived into particularly deeply. And so whenever I play one of these games... I'm, I feel like I'm almost starting from scratch, other than just some basic awareness of concepts. The language like, of the strategy game? Oh, and the energy Yeah, economy. and things like how the like bandwidth-based energy economy and stuff like that works. Like I have these sort of um, basic understanding of certain core principles, but on the, you know, on the micro scale, I just I, I kind yeah. of just have to learn it again each time. Um, and it's, I, it's completely bonkers to me. Yeah. Like, well, I basically, so when, my brain stops at... Starcraft and Warcraft. Right. Like, okay, I have this many of this and it costs this many, I'm going to be good. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things in this game I don't even feel like are actually that hard to grasp. It's just that when you're going into it, 
when the game isn't done yet, you don't know what things are just unnecessarily complex Mm -hmm. and what things are just not done. Right. You know, like you don't know which of those things are difficult because they're just not as polished or they don't have the right kind of cues to let you know what's going on. And what, and then also how much of it is the case just because you're playing against someone who's better than you are or whatever, you know, like in a, there, there are all these variables that not, not being fluent enough with the game type in general, you don't know how to categorize any of those variables. Whereas if you do have an understanding of just where the game is heading, you can kind of pre-sort that stuff in your brain a little bit. And there might still be things you don't know, but it's a smaller category of things and you know why you don't know them. At least in this though, because it's, we, uh... Because it's it's a multiplayer online real-time strategy game, which means jumping into it, you're just going to get fucked. Mm -hmm. But because it's four-player shared resource stuff, the guy on the server who's 400,000 times better than you can at least give you the sense of wonderment (laughs) instead of the sense of dread. Because, like, we were watching, we're like, wow, our base is just coming together so fast. But, like... Obviously, it's because there were other guys building it, but then like it seemed like there's one other guy. Yeah, but they sort of just yeah. When the team chat said, uh, "Radar satellite launch," we're like, "What the heck is that?" And then the little like propeller goes and starts spinning off the base into orbit, and the little like uh, the booster rockets go falling back to to the planetary surface. We're like, "What the fuck?" It was like if if the enemy had done that, it would have freaked you out. But because it's your team, you can just be like, "Oh, sick." (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, you know, zooming out and seeing the fog of war just immediately recede so that only a third of the planet was covered. Right. And then later on in the game, you're like, oh, we can go to the other planet and see that our guys also have five guys on the other planet. Uh, little tiny base getting started. Like, that, right. it seems like because of the way the co-op works, assuming a community builds up, there could easily be... Uh, sort of actually, Sean, like the way that you... Like the way people end up getting into Dota in any capacity is because of... <laughs> Sean's got a smile. That. I don't know. I mean, this seems even easier than that because people can actually just, like, student drive, basically, yeah, in a yeah. way that you can't in Dota, which is cool. That's something... Also, for what it's yeah. worth, the people, both on your team this. and the opposing team, seem like really good-natured seem people. Seem really wonderful. Yeah, we have a sample awesome. size of one, but pro... Sample size of, like, three. Planetary Annihilation community. Yeah, yes. Very good. good. Yeah, they were nice. You yeah. didn't get kicked... You didn't get called things that we can't say on this podcast? Not one bad word was said once in the entire match, and we played for half an hour. Uh, Not one said swear. LMAO, and the A stands for ass in that. Whoa. I don't know if you know. <laughs> You're going to bleep that. We're going to bleep that, right? Oh, the ass. Sorry, now i got to bleep oh, two wow. things. Two asses. Oh, three, three. things. But yeah, it's a really cool game. Yeah. How do you guys feel about... I know how I feel about it, but how do you guys feel about alpha-funded stuff in general? I like it. Okay. I think Good. it depends on the game, Cogent. but I like it. Well, I mean, I can go into detail. Probably should. All right. Uh, I think um, I was thinking about this while I was sort of saying the stuff I was saying earlier about uh, the types of people who benefit from games like this. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain kind of games for which it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? I think we right. sort of just intuitively understand that. But uh, I think for games that are intended to be repeatable you know, replayable experiences that are very systemic that don't rely on, you know, kind of concepts like spoilers and and kind of specific character arcs and things like that. I think there's something really interesting about people being able to take the knowledge they have about like the deep knowledge they have about particular kinds of systems and apply that to interpreting the creation of a work as it is built up by its creators. Like I think there are certain kinds of games. I think a lot of the games we talk about and the kind of games we work on in in our professional lives, those don't tend to be that kind of game for the most part. Those are games that are like they're individual discrete works, right? right? But then there are other kinds of games that for a lot of people, I think those game types as an entire category are themselves like the hobby. Right. You know, like there are people who are hobbyist strategy players, like the three was ahead guys. And obviously those guys have plenty of specific opinions about individual games and like their those opinions are fascinating. Um, but then there are guys who like just play um, like paradox grand strategy games. Right. It's not so much that they play like video games and they're looking for a game that has like a singular experience, you know, outside of any other context. It's like, no, I just want games that recreate like this particular type of historical experience. And like, that's the thing I like in the same way 
that some people like, you know, um, like woodcrafting or like just a hobby that is not speci- that is not so much about consuming like an artist's expression, right. but it's more about like an activity that you pursue at a high level. Right. And I feel like like somebody's <laughs> really into like mystery novels or something. Kind of. Um, sort of. Yeah. Um, and, like just anything where there's a particular kind of, um, <coughs> excuse me, activity that you can dive into, um, that itself has like its own community and, and like history and so on and so on, like contained within it. And I feel like this kind of game is like a really, um, the kind of game that, that derives from, uh, total annihilation. Basically it's like a very specific small branch of that where there are just some people who they might play other games as well. But for them, this category is like an important self-contained thing that doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention elsewhere. And I feel like the ability to play that, to play the like newest, coolest example of that in a variety of its forms throughout the creation is like a very specific, unique opportunity for people with that interest to apply the like potentially decade plus of experience they have thinking critically about these games um, in a context that uh, is totally unique. Like that's that's a singular opportunity for people who don't work as video game developers. Right. Um, look, one of the things that really struck me when I was briefly playing the alpha of this game is I'd go on the forums and people would have they would write these like super crazily detailed posts about how they think kind of the economic theory of the game should work. And they would have really interesting supporting evidence for why they think that. And they would be referencing other games in this genre as well as like real world principles. And I'm like, this is fascinating. It's actually meaningful that this game is not done yet, that they're posting that not because the developers are going to take that and go like, Oh great. They solved it. And like, just put it in the game. Right. But just because it's almost kind of pointless to type that up after the fact. Exactly. Um, just even as a as a person who plays those games, you're given the opportunity to have the mental yeah. exercise in mm-hmm. it. Yeah, like yeah. we've seen this at uh, people could still type it when the game is done, but and, they're just and they angrier. and they do. I'm just saying the context is different. Yeah, you know? yeah. like we're 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 doing um, Massive Chalice at Double Fine. This is Brad Muir's game. I've mentioned it a couple times. I think on the cast, and maybe I've brought this up as well. But it's like the same. It's very similar thing. That game is also kind of being developed. I mean, p- people can't play it yet because it's just so early. But that game is in, is intended to be developed in a way where the community surrounding that game is kind of given that access to what's going on on just an ongoing basis. And people have written crazy things. Like some guy wrote a huge chunk of code uh, for determining like genetic like, – with like genetic algorithm stuff in it. That's like – that's cool. Like <laughs> we're probably not going to copy and paste it into the game. But like – Chad, our lead programmer, is definitely going to look over it and be like, what interesting stuff is there here? And, like, people have done all kinds of crazy stuff with uh, around genetics and around historical reference and just really cool stuff that all just feeds into the general um, the general kind of atmosphere around the creation of the game. And, like, that for that kind of game, I think that's totally, totally fine. Like, it hasn't been the case internally where people are um, – like irritated by that or feel like people are overstepping. Um, it's actually really energizing and like really inspiring. Yeah. And I, I think, well, it's kind of cool. I mean, in that sense, cause you're just sort of, you have this like window and you get to just put your head outside of it and like pick in whatever you want, you know? And that's the thing that's really nice about that. You know, it's not, it's, it can't be overstepping because you can simply set that contribution aside. Right. Like, Oh, okay. That person wrote this thing. Mm hmm they're going to hate this game that we're making, but <laughs> I'm sure if we made that one, they would like yeah, it very yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that, uh, alpha funded stuff. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And then there's also stuff like Minecraft, which there's probably less of that going on. Cause that team was just so small and it was right. kind of just that guy doing his thing. Most of the, oh, there were it, plenty it, of people who had very specific feedback for every single, like I wonder, um, every well, single sh- pixel in that game. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there were, but it's, it's a different, there's a, I'm just saying, I'm just setting a, a distinction between, Minecraft, which is a game that so there's stuff like Planetary Annihilation and uh, like Master Chalice and other games. Where those are games that are kind of eventually going to be done, mm-hmm. and Goddess. like uh, think, yeah. probably yeah, yeah. Um, where it's like people can towns. Pe- Sorry, those are games where people are sort of 
there's like a participatory, participatory element of the development, but those games at a certain point are going to be considered done. They might have more work done to them after that, but there's going to be the kind of version 1.0. And then there's the other kind of alpha funding, which is something like Minecraft, which I think is also really interesting for somewhat different reasons, where I guess technically Minecraft had a 1.0, but like that never really mattered to anyone, right? Like it was just, that's a game that just goes on forever and it's just constantly under development and people have been playing it since it was technically an alpha, which that that's just to me like is that's totally element uh, academic it's just this is a game that people have been playing while it's under active development and that in itself i think is really interesting because people can remember times when the world of minecraft just operated differently and i think that's really cool like i mm-hmm. think that's a really interesting very game specific unique experience to be able to have right. where it's like oh yeah i've been playing this game since like before there were monsters in it or whatever where right. it's like this this was just I remember this about that world. I think right. that's really cool. I think that's a, an awesome thing. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, Notch didn't just keep that game hidden away until it was like whatever he determined to be done. Right. And then, and then put it out there. And I think there are things that are weird about alpha funding, certainly from a development standpoint and other, other perspectives. But I think for particular kinds of games, the opportunities it presents to both players and developers um, can be really, really amazing. Yeah, this is dumb, but to me, it's just a matter of remembering that not everything is for me. Like Planetary Annihilation, I would probably play that game when it's a 1.0 because mm-hmm. just it, totally. it, just the aesthetics of it are, fa- are fascinating to me and stuff. But like, I guess The Binding of Isaac wasn't uh, early access, but that was a game that Edmund McMillan was just rolling revs out all the time right. for when it was out, and I think because of that, it was still. It, it, it had a community that compounded in the same way mm-hmm. because people knew that there was an active dialogue with the developer at that right. point. And I think just because I'm familiar with like Zelda-ish sort of console play, I was able to... Like that and Spelunky both, even though uh, all those... I guess Spelunky didn't have revs, but like... But binding, they, although binding, it had the original version of yeah, the game. Like just, yeah, just... Binding of Isaac was a game that I was able to internalize so quickly because I had vocabulary for it that it, even probably earlier, earlier revs of that game before he decided to put them out publicly would have been something yeah, that I would have really enjoyed. Yeah, would have been comprehensible to you. Whereas, yeah. like, Planetary Annihilation, early access is absolutely not for me for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, it's just because of what I'm, what I'm sort of an enthusiast yeah, for. Yeah, totally. To Chris's point, I like I them. I like them in principle based on, like, I completely agree with you. It's so hard for me to play them, though. It's, like, really, mm-hmm. really... Well, yeah, I mean, again... It, it actually gives me, gives me anxiety <laughs> to play them. <laughs> well, I think that's... I, I think one of the things that's, that's cool about them is developers can kind of... The audience kind of self-selects. The developers can yeah. kind of figure out who is the segment of our community that is the most dedicated. And, you know, the earlier you get in, in the development of the game among the community that's active at any given point, like the farther back in the timeline you go, those are your most dedicated segments of your yeah. – I mean there's always going to be a lot of people who just don't want to play it till it's at 1.0 and that makes total sense. Like those people probably shouldn't necessarily feel pressured to play it earlier because – if they don't already feel like they have the context to understand what the thing's about, then yeah, they're probably not the group of people for whom that yeah. is being conducted. Yeah. Do you are you are you anxious when you play them because of actually <clears throat> making other games and seeing yeah. all the crazy seams and stuff in this and just going Ugh. Yeah. Because you imagine the other side of the screen, basically? Yeah. Yeah. I just see <coughs> me playing a build of a game I'm working on and seeing a bunch of broken shit and going like, Oh, oh, oh God. Oh God. Just, just make the list, just make the list and then just start tackling it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it's, I'm, you know, I mean, yeah. it, I think that might actually, well, a yeah. lot of the games that are, that are early access are games that also very distinctly benefit from having a huge playtesting audience. Where yeah, it's like a lot of the stuff yeah. that you and I For have sure. made, you wouldn't want to put that thing in front of that many people until it was done no. because it would just ruin everything. But like mm-hmm. if you're making yeah, planetary annihilation, mm-hmm. you're probably, grossed out but also like thank you for finding everything that's a disaster i think it'd be fascinating to explore the idea not even make it but explore the idea of doing something that was um atypical for an alpha funded game and i'm not necessarily saying like a narrative thing or a thing that had like character arcs or anything like that but Alpha, what an alpha-funded game is right now is kind of specific, mm-hmm. and I think it would be an interesting design exercise to think about. Like, well, could you do a single-player experience that was more like X or Y? You know, like, I don't know. 
I think about that, but I don't really have any, haven't really come to any conclusions yet. Well, I like Alpha Funded games that are, I guess it's just because I like, at this point, in general, games that are single player oriented for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and by that, I don't mean like story driven stuff per se. Yeah, but, like FTL or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like I played a lot of FTL when that game was in a really early state, like a year before it came out, um, when it was in the IGF. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was totally fine for me. You know, Jake, to your point about kind of, what you were saying about uh, Binding of Isaac, like I kind of had a, just a, a grounding with the kind of thing FTL was enough, enough that that it worked for me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of games, um, in general these days, as much as I was just sort of singing the praises of this concept, I actually rarely play early access stuff personally. Mm-hmm. I um, buy it, and that is, you know, I do too. Yeah. Well, I bought the I bought the alpha access to Planetary Annihilation, which I think was the highest tier of you know, early access that they did in their Kickstarter, but I've barely played any of it because I'm like, well, these guys seem really cool. This game seems really cool. I want to support this, but I don't necessarily need to be in there early just because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not necessarily the person who's actually going to derive the full benefit from right. it. And then grow you know? with the game and all those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, also the way <laughs> just, this is very specific to me, but I, I, I end up these, at this point in life, most games I end up playing, I either play games for like a very short amount of time or I just dig in. Like Spelunky is a game I'm just digging mm-hmm. into right now, right? Yeah. But like everything that isn't Spelunky, you know, I'll play it for a few hours probably. Right. It's just, and it's not, it's not, that's not like a category of like Spelunky and everything else. It's just Spelunky is the game right now that I'm kind of right. into and it'll be something else probably in a couple months. Yeah. But I, you know, I, if, if you really get into an early access game, you're kind of signing up to play a lot of it because if you like it, you're going to want to play it when the full one comes right. out, which means you're already doubling kind of your... And there are chances, there's a chance you can go a long enough time <clears throat> between playthroughs that you have to kind of relearn how to play it to some extent, you know? Sure. There's a chance that, that that's that's possible. Um, speaking of Spelunky, that <laughs> game is now a game I play every day. Oh man, yeah. Fuck. Daily Challenge. It's so smart. It's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And there's like a nice crew of people who I know about when they play it. And it's not <laughs> just like this Explorers mm-hmm. Club. But there's like a nice selection of my mm-hmm. friend group that all has been playing. Like, so I can see where I rank. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I it's love really it. It's really good, yeah. It's so interesting, too, because it's had a weird effect of, you know what people always talk about? Like, yeah, this game's great. You just load it up for, like, 15 minutes and play it a bit. And I, yeah. I've literally never had that experience in my entire life. Like, that's it. Right. I'm sure there are people who have. But, like, that's an experience that game developers love to say about their game mm-hmm. in, like, that they're developing to have, like, bite-sized gameplay. You're on the bus, you know? I'm going to ne- go. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had that experience ever. Mm-hmm. Either I like the game enough to play it for a bunch of time mm-hmm. or I don't. And those are, like, the only what? options. Crossword. So- you know, that's like you well, sit cr- down, you do it, you move on. Well, right, but that's I finished the entire crossword, though. right? But that that cha- but it's, by, it's a game that is designed yeah, yeah. for that. You know? That's true. Yeah, crossword's a weird one because it's pretty predictable day by day. Like Monday will take me four to five minutes. Saturday will take me four to five minutes. Sa- well, yeah, but Saturday will take me like two hours, and then Sunday is like anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half. Like it's that one's the only variable one. But like most of the other days are basically a linear curve with a with a bit of a sharp increase on Friday, but like that's super predictable. Right. But I never have, but I don't, but like most games where people claim that about it, I, I'm sure there are people for whom that's true for me. It never is. Sp- the specific ways Spelunky daily challenges work is unique. It's like uniquely that. Right. Because I, I, at this point I only play the daily challenge. I don't play other Spelunky games other than that. I always throw one in on top of the daily challenge because I end the daily challenge so fucking mad at myself. Like, right. I'll let me just do one run. Yeah. So like, I did that for a while. Yeah. Now I don't. Now I'm just on the, just down to the challenge. Right, you're a little bit ahead of and me like, on the growth curve. <laughs> I'm not good enough to usually live for longer than half. Like half an hour is like pretty good for me. Fucking A, yeah. You know, like that's good. But usually it's like 15 minutes. Yeah. So I actually do, I finally have that experience where I like get in 15 minutes, get out. And that's my own tires blunky for the day, yeah. but I'm doing it every single day. Like yeah. I haven't missed a daily challenge since I started two weeks ago. I think I did number 15 for me yesterday. So it's right. been about two weeks. I've missed a couple of days, but I almost, I do it just about every day. And what's nice is that it's funny. Like, uh, my best friend, Adam and my wife, 
have been sort of glancing. They've been around when I've been playing it. So they'll just kind of stand behind me. And they know it's a daily challenge run. And right. it's any other any other Spelunky that I play is like worthless. It's like a pre, it's like a preseason game. <laughs> right. They don't give exactly. a fuck. It's yeah. like, oh, no, this is just uh-huh. for shrugging shows. Isn't that funny how that's true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really well, funny. Because it's the exact same thing with as with like a preseason game. Like, yeah. Nothing mechanically about this makes it any different. No, there's no We've, value to it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's right? no prescribed but, value. But I mean, it's yeah. just a prescribed value. Like, yeah. the, the inherent, the intrinsic value is the same. But there's we've just arbitrarily decided this is going to be the one that matters. Right. Um, this one will affect... Your well, it's even different. Yeah, even different than than a preseason versus season game. Because in a season game, like, this is going to have repercussions on, you know, what your life is like in December and January and February and whatever. But with Splunky Daily Challenge, it's just... Well, you can't do that board again. You yeah. don't know that, that Derek Yu is at some point going to unveil the Spelunky World Championship where the daily challenges have actually <laughs> Super been queued up. Mario oh, 3. Yeah, gray and like neon orange hoses are going to come pouring out and smoke is going to show up everywhere and it's going to be the fucking wizard. The 15 greatest Spelunkers from around the A world. The daily challenge championship that just had the set from the wizard would basically be the best thing you could do, I think. I think. God, so Jason Killingsworth, who's one of the guys in the um, Spunky Explorers Club, he had an amazing run like a day or two ago. It was like an hour long. You which watch them? I watch. I don't watch all of them. I right, watch some, right, some right, of them right, sometimes. Right. And like this one, I watched specifically because I'm like, holy! Cr-. Well, I actually couldn't watch the whole thing because it was so long. But like, but you jumped around, yeah. You know, I, yeah. But I saw how long it was, and I'm like, holy shit! And then his in his, I saw the description, and it was like, uh, broke into the Spelunky. Daily Challenge top 10 for the first time, like global top 10 for the first time, came within striking distance of a million gold. And I was just like, what is this what shit? What the? Are you fucking kidding me? He I, ended up with I like 950,000 wow. gold or something. Oh my God. And like, and. Uh, oh my God. And well, I was You wa- probably don't even play for gold. You probably don't even. No, like, I play for gold. You, yeah. Do you have, like, do you actually, like, blow shit up to get extra yeah, gold? Yeah, I go stuff? for gold. Yeah, okay, I play for go, gold. You go, please. Spelunky, go for the gold. <clears throat> the highest gold I've ever had is 51,000. Yeah, it's yeah. bonkers. Yeah. So, yeah. It's embarrassing. So, I buy a lot of stuff, too. I can get all... Well, yeah. So, yeah, he did, what, 200 times better than, than that? Like, it's... it's Or no, wait, this no. This fucking guy over here. You said, what, 50,000? 50, 50, 20. 20 times better, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah well, like 3,000 times Well, just like a million times better, but, um, fucking baby. baby but uh, I, it was so funny because I started watching it, and I'm like, to watch him play it, Looks exactly what like what it looks like to watch me play it, basically. But, Apparently, yeah. no, but I, but I, but but I mean like, <laughs> right? Just you start off, and then you, but then you start noticing like the little things that are different, like the little precautions he takes, and like the little ways in which his fluency is like a little bit better, right. you know. And it's like, did those, he have sort of because to stay alive that long and to go that far, does he? What is his sort of method for survival? That's what I'm saying. It wasn't really any different than how I play. Just, it was just he's just better, better at methodic it. Methodic like, and good. Just better, right? yeah. It you was, know, a sort of certain item that he really utilized a lot of. Um, I mean, he got a jetpack, which he just used the shit out of. But like, you know, I I'm not, I can't reliably just get all that stuff all the time. Right. Um. There, I guess, killing a shopkeeper is a thing he is just straight up like significantly better at. Than so I that is like that's borderline impossible for me i can always kill the first shopkeeper because well not always but i mean the times i kill a shopkeeper are when there's a weapon that he's selling because we're about to cross over into nobody gives a fuck territory but i have to talk to you about this because i need to know what your strategy is Well, what i do this is like the maybe a cheap way to do it but like if he's selling a shotgun or machete i just pick up that weapon and immediately kill him with it but okay, I don't like do that because I I don't have a good sense because I've never done it. I don't have a good sense of the level of damage it takes to to end him. Well, it doesn't matter because the first time you hit him, he'll get knocked over, and then you can just sh- shoot him or stab him like five more times. Okay, but we're, um, that's what I need to know. Like, As I need to know how many exact times. <laughs> well, I don't remember how many exact, but, but it's like, like but greater he'll fall, than he'll fall on his ass, and then you can just stab the shit out of him. Okay, the, I only got killed one shopkeeper, and he chased me all over the map <laughs> until finally he was about to shoot me, and he jumped and landed on spikes and died right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, thank God. Shopkeeper suicide <laughs> is great, but yeah. like the the thing. That, it's, this game's turned you into a monster. The thing that he's really good at that I'm not is like after that first shopkeeper, 
every other shopkeeper for the forever. They're just on your furious ass. about it. Yeah, they have a wanted and sign. That's for you. the thing. I'm. That's the thing that gets me killed. Is like it makes me really the anxious. third shopkeeper when he's just already bouncing around everywhere taking shots. That's the thing that, like, Jason Killingsworth, for example, is much better well, at. Well, his last name is fucking Killingsworth. I know, it's ridiculous. I just want to keep saying it. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm not that great at that game, but, but it's really good. It's so good. Well, did I talk about my coworker whose kids are really into this? Did I talk about that last no. week or did that happen since last week? So I have a coworker, um, uh, um, Jeremy, who he used to work at id and like he has, he's a double fine now and he, um, he says that this is his like his kid's favorite game is Spelunky. How old are his kids? They're uh, I want to say like around seven, eight, like okay. that kind of age. One of them's a little couple years younger, I think. Kindergarten, first grade age. And um, and it's they are so absorbed by it all the time because just different things are always happening and it's right. like, really exciting and like crazy stuff happens in it and they can like comprehend it because it's. A cartoon. The things that happen, yeah, it's yeah. like a cartoon. Like the things in it that happen are very straightforward, but they're always surprising and like arranged in different ways. And right. like, are, I'm that's why my wife likes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was, it made me think about that. If you think about games like that, and like I think Super Meat Boy is another mm-hmm. good example. Games that are totally playable by kids that serve kind of the same function that the really hard Nintendo games that were around when we were kids right. served. But, like, these games are not just nostalgic rehashes of that stuff. They're, no. like, genuinely, um, like, progressive, yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. game designs. And, like, that's so great because I feel like there was this period of a, of several years kind of in between the classic platformer era and the late kind of 2000s. There was some period of time in between there where kids' games were either just, like – you know, kids' games like Ratchet and Clank. The, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, things like that, which I've I personally always thought were kind of bland. And I like, really appreciated their artistry, but I know it wasn't super into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it really interesting that there is this category of game, mainly in the indie space, I guess, that is like I think really deep and interesting for both for adults, but also legitimately new and like fresh and cool that I could totally imagine kids growing up with and being super into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a very, that seems like a very interesting space. It's cool and weird that two games that a kid would love right now are Minecraft and Spelunky. Yeah. Minecraft is another huge example yeah. where that just isn't, you can't, that's not a thing that is just like um, trading on just, Oh yeah, that's the kid's game, you know, no, it's like putting together, slap another license on one of those things. It's like, yeah. And it's creation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. kids love it. Kids are obsessed with Minecraft. I know. Minecraft's one of those games that makes me wish I had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. So you can explore a cave and then build a water slide. Just because I know that if I'm like, I came home and like there was this little human <clears throat> who supposedly was like, had half my DNA. And it was, and he had done something surprising, or she had done something surprising in Minecraft, and been like, "Like Sean, check this out." Call me Sean. Sean, <laughs> we're, 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 we keep it chill hey, at my y'all. house. <laughs> yeah, check this out. Look at what I discovered. There's this underground lava cave, and I built the thing over it. I'd be like, "God damn, that would be it for me. That would be it. I would just start weeping openly, and then I could hey, be fuck in- check out my thing." God damn. <laughs> hey, man. No, I don't criticize. Okay, I'm not criticizing your hypothetical family, all right? <laughs> Wouldn't call my kid fucko to his face. No, that was your kid, that was your <laughs> so kid addressing saying, you. Hey, fucko to you. Whoa! Is what I'd say to that kid. Kid, and whoa! Then, then God like, damn! But then he'd be like, I made this lava game. Oh, kid, I can't stay oh, mad at you. Shit. Look I love at that, that shit game. you made. <laughs> oh, my God, I love you. Look at that fucking shit you put together. Wow. Look at that piece of garbage you made in that stupid... Gr- Whoa, yeah, you're being Uncle Jake coming like, over drunk again. What are these, what are these graphics? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Pac-Man? Looking over his 3DS. Complete this maze. God, that's always... The, <laughs> I remember seeing a local news report one time about, you know, fucking violent games or whatever, and the, the news anchor lady was like, Whatever happened to Pac-Man? Like, well, he's still there. He's, he's still, got, ra- he's still around. Got, got by those ghosts. He's still around <laughs> eating ghosts. He's... Running from him sometimes. Pac-Man's a murderous fuck. Mm-hmm. Eating pills, chomping, chomping ghosts. Yep. Man, the Pac-Man reboot 
for I mean, sure there's a couple of them, but the main one, like the maybe the anniversary edition, the championship, one? championship edition on XBLA, fucking a, I played so, oh, not that. so much of that game. game. Yeah. That was like up there. That was that was. Oh in, yeah, I played that too. That, that was, was in super like good. Geometry the Wars one where two. like the graphics yeah. were kind of the same, but they had like extra neon, kind of like neon shit. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, that was yeah. really good. That was surprisingly good. Yeah. Yep. That game is cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was thinking of Pac-Man versus originally. I think. Mm. Whatever happened to Pac-Man versus? Oh, you can buy I don't want to be. Oh, sorry, I was going to start talking. Keep talking about my hypothetical kid. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's cool. I thought we one of those dads that's like, go check out this Pac-Man. You're going to love him. You know, like, I don't know. I just want a kid to like. But then you accidentally, you're not as cool of a dad as you think, and you bought your kid Dot Gobbler. That would be fucking cool. <laughs> like, check out this Pac-Man. <laughs> would be dad bad if my kid, or I could actually end up liking it. My kid was like, you buy your kid shit. the off-brand of the thing when from when you were a kid, so it's just extra terrible. <laughs> that would just be like the most hipster it. get, though, for like a really savvy that's, kid. He'd be like, that's, that's true. This isn't even Pac-Man. This is Doc Gobbler. Get this Halloween costume kid on the box. Look at his like weird red face. If your kid is a fucking hipster kid who appreciates dot go, he's like, I, no, that's not my kid. I snapped the, <laughs> I don't want I that snapped kid. the cartridge apart and refashioned my own out of wood. Oh god, keep, uh, send that kid back. <laughs> keep it. My artisanal hardwood dot gobbler. <laughs> artisanal hardwood dot gobbler. It's like an old old growth dot gobbler. <laughs> old growth dot gobbler. <laughs> What? Sometimes I look at you and I hate you. What's wrong with talking about an old growth hardwood dot Because so, I can't unhear you. But your, your kid mouth. made himself in your garage without you knowing. Did he use my tools? Your kid used your tools. Did he to put make them away? Gobbler. I don't know. Where they go? <laughs> He's got his own secret tools. He doesn't show you. That's cool. Okay. All right. I yeah. like this kid. This kid's back in my good graces. Some kind of tool specifically for wainscoting or... Yeah. Like, he's got like a lathe. He's got like a... <laughs> Where'd you get that lathe, kid? Just shakes his head. It just goes back to the spelunky. Yeah. I'm only going to talk about this for two seconds. Go. <laughs> Thank you. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been playing Super Mario 3D Land, and I still haven't gotten through World 8, which is my dumb goal, because... Apparently, there's a bunch more crazy stuff after that. But today, uh, Nintendo did one of their stream things. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo news, whatever. Fuck it, Nintendo. I'm gonna sneeze. Um, you gonna sneeze? The, no, no. I no. like that you're just not even making any attempt to not be right in front of the microphone. I'm just gonna sneeze. I'm not gonna sneeze into the mic. I got this pop screen. Sorry. They put out a, a trailer for Super Mario 3D World, which is the Wii U follow up to Mario 3D Land. And it also looks really good. That's all that I have to say, really. Um, is it... Can you, I haven't seen it. Give me a little bit more. It's it's very similar uh, to Mario 3D Land. Left to right 2D? It's it's not quite 2D. It's, it's that same thing we were talking about last ish, week where yeah. it's kind of... The world is made of 3D art the same way as like Mario uh, 64 or Mario Galaxy. Oh, Mario but it has a fixed camera. So it's it's that's the big, the big huge difference. Is Understood. It doesn't have the free-flying C-stick camera. It's right. just... They control the compositions, and right. the challenges are built to semi-authored cameras. Like when you right. walk into the distance, the camera will follow you more often than not. A little. But how far? Different. How far down screen, into the screen do it you ever walk? A lot because there's, okay, there's, so it's not like a little big planet. No, there's times right. where it's left to right, like little big planet, and then the level will just take a turn, and then you are going back into Z depth. Oh or, man, okay. Or like. It will occasionally just sort of tip down and go into the Mario 64. This is all shit you said to bit. me last week, but yeah, yeah. It just I was tired and didn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's like a game. Now I'm, I'm listening. Mario, th- Mario 3D World is a, a little bit different in that it seems like it especially is focusing on up to four player co op like the new <laughs> Super Mario Brothers games. We talked about this when that first trailer came out because the thing that impressed me about that See my previous statement. was uh, it's the new Super Mario Brothers games, which are the straight 2D ones, have been Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Toad. Which is garbage, because in Mario 3D World, it's Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Princess Peach. And it's the first game, I think, where Princess Peach actually can, like, get a Starman, can get the raccoon tail, can shoot fireballs, like, 
Princess Peach actually is mechanically on, on par with Mario. But whatever. None of that is even what I wanted to talk about. You know I call her Princess Toadstool still? She I was going to say Toadstool. Fucking, I know. She's fucking Princess Toadstool and he's King Koopa. But also they're Bowser and Peach apparently at some point. <sighs> those get, I never, I never, I never. Dr. That's Ro- like Myanmar and Burma teach your to kids me. the real names. Yeah. It's like, honey, it's Burma. Doctor, it's Burma. That's like a political Myanmar is the name issue, of the oppressors. Though. Bowser's the name of the oppressor. <laughs> When Dr. Robotnik changed to fucking Eggman, that was the worst of all of them. Worst. That's when, I mean, we, people will look back on this government shutdown and say that it was a low point in American history. I would say nay. Nay. When, <laughs> when they used the Eggman name for Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> That's when, that was Eggman. the beginning of the end. That actually us. happened right between the two government <clears throat> shutdowns, approximately. From the, the, oh, my gosh. The 90s New Gingrich one. And then the, what if it is so. eight and a half years to the day? Between the 17 years. <gasps> Eggman. Oh, my God. Um, you know, okay, so I'm going to talk about Mario 3D World again because I'm... I'm you can, you can, you're allowed to. That's I'm, the whole point of this entire operation. Is you're allowed to responding to a trailer, which is stupid, but I'm excited about stupid. it. Stupid. Trailer impressions. It is a trailer <laughs> impression. Ugh. Ten things you didn't notice about the Mario trailer. It is going to be that. Ugh. No, it's not actually going to be that. You know how in Mario 3... <laughs> There's that one. one. There's that one level where you get in the boot. Yeah, that boot is not in this game. But like that, I didn't like the boot. What? I didn't like the boot either. The boot. Oh my god! I, it was one step down the path to vehicle to me. It was like, it's my same. It's my push and pull with Yoshi. You know this. We talked about this the other day. Okay, then you might hate Mario it's... 3D World because the thing about this game that I like the look of from the trailer is that it is base Mario gameplay, but there's uh, a lot of weird modifiers on top of it. There's like a warthog? No. When you started saying vehicles, all I could think of was like Mario and a warthog. I meant like, like I a, guess... a halo. Deviant art. In, especially, <laughs> especially in the Mario 3 era, Mario 3 was the Mario game that had the most weird shit that yeah, they introduced stack on top of Mario. Cause, cause yeah, that, it's hard though because the points on that line, Mario 1... Okay. Mario, Mario 2, fucking crazy. But that's because it was a different game, really. Mario 2 right. was Doki Doki Panic. Right, but still, my right. seven-year-old sure, brain sure. could only paint but, these three but lines. But Mario 3 was the one that had, like, the raccoon tail, <coughs> the frog suit, the, the whistle, suit. The warp whistle. I'm just talking about things you do to Mario to make him have different inputs. Oh, true, 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 true. Like, true. He, could, he could turn into a statue, he could fly, he could swim around, he could get in that boot. You could just straight P-Wing. Yeah, there's P-Wing, the star that would make you do weird flip jumps and change your move speed. Um... This game, Mario 3D World, God, seems like it seems like the closest to what my childhood brain would have extrapolated the actual future of Mario into because Mario World came out and it deliberately pared that stuff down where you basically have the cape, the fireballs, and Yoshi. And then after that, it was Mario 64, which is complete, right. like, just... Back to basics. But also mechanically a different thing right. entirely. But uh, thematically back to basics. Yeah, yeah. but you're, you're climbing mountains and multi-objectives mm-hmm. in the same world and stuff. Whereas Mario yeah. 3D World is – it's actually the Mario game that your friend would say he, his dad brought back from Japan. Where it's like okay. in this Mario game you can have the stupid raccoon tail but and the frog and this. But also you can get inside of a Hammer Brother costume and you can shoot bullets out of your head and you can <laughs> spin around. Like it's nuts. The trailer... Wait, was that you saying it's nuts or was that the kid saying it's nuts? Uh, but I don't know which kid he was right there, but I could tell he was excited either way. The word it's nuts tra- traveled through time and reverberated. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. I'm sure that it's going to be suspicious when the game comes out, but I'm <laughs> like, I'm sure. The way you say suspicious makes it seem it's going to be like a Soviet plot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing that, Look, the thing this is going to be a devious game. Let's I'm just, sure there's going to be some... It's well suspect shit. The thing that I think is probably going to make it not do the thing that I want it to do is the What is Jake want? Mario three especially. You can always tell sort of from where in the level they placed the blocks, uh, mm-hmm. the question mark blocks. Nintendo sort of would recommend you probably want to be wearing the frog suit at this point. But you have right, an inventory right, right, in that right. game of stuff you've collected from all over the place, so you could just say, Fuck it, I'm not going to do that. It's I'm like gonna... finding a bunch of health packs in last. It's of not us. like that at all. But this game, I suspect because it's modern Nintendo they're going to like clean the slate of what your character is or force you to mm-hmm. to wipe your I guess like your Mario build effectively, which is a stupid way to describe it, but just that sort of feeling of I got through this entire thing with just a flower, even though I know there's four hundred weird things that let you fly all over the place. Right. That feeling will probably not be in this game, despite the fact that the gameplay trailer 
for fucking Super Mario 3D World made me want to play it more than I've wanted to play a game in a long time. I don't even know how to describe the stupid trailer. It's your just, face is describing it's, your enthusiasm. It's just a montage of like... I'll watch it. Under a second long shots of just the craziest classic looking Mario stuff going back to back to back, but it's all... In it, 3D. You can tell that it's made by the team that made Super Mario Galaxy, not the team that oh, made cool. New Super Mario Brothers, because like oh, just good. the aesthetics are, are stronger, the character designs mm-hmm. look more sort of like the classic stuff, and also it just like... The sense of play is there without it feeling weirdly detached. Like it just it, it's it was intense as a as like, I was one of the kids who was very 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 much eating the Mario cereal only figuratively. <laughs> my parents would not buy me Mario cereal. Um, I you, you were eating Mario the Mario cereal. cereal, if you will. I w- I was, um, and I've this fucking video. Bad. It's bad times. That is my descent is clearly happening, and I hate it. Speaking of other things that we haven't, well, I guess I've used it technically, but you guys want to talk about that Steam controller? I think we discussed the Steam controller at length. I think we got that pretty We crossed all those T's and dotted all those I's. Yeah, so as we predicted, uh, the G-Man got shot in the face and he dropped the controller on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I need to interrupt. I wouldn't force my kids to play Pac-Man, but I would definitely force them to name their dog P-Wing. Carry on. <laughs> what? I've been thinking about that ever since I remembered that P-Wing existed. You want I just to, to get that P-wing? thought out there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. P-Wing. The P-Wing, it was a magical flying item that Princess, allowed you to fly over a level. Princess Toast would <laughs> oh, right. give it to you. It was the raccoon tail that was always on. Yeah. God, be a good name for a little dog. P-Wing? P- P-Wing? Yeah. P-Wing is peeing. I, that could be a sentence that was spoken. Sure. <laughs> Do we have a lot to say about the Steam controller? I don't know. I kind of want an excuse to mention that video that guy made. Okay, that's true. Instead of talking about the Steam we controller... We can simply say thank you to... Derek? You're going to get it wrong. No. Lou? Lou. Yep. Derek Lou. Who edited together a fantastic motion graphics 2D puppet extravaganza of mostly Chris and Jake's discussion of... the uh, Of how Valve clearly was going to and did announce the steam controller you can get that at our blog a blog it's really really great it's on there it's pretty good it's i love that sorry just it's nice to do something that you think is dumb and then have someone else make it look really good by putting it under like the stupid microscope yeah it's like i felt bad for laughing at it to the degree that i did but i laughed at it i watched it like three times it was like, it was the first time a piece of Idle Thumbs anything made me feel like I hadn't been in the room for it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I was, that's yeah. just because like, his execution of it is so it's good. So, yeah, spot on. It's really, really wonderful. So I'm actually curious a little bit about the actual Steam controller. You, mm-hmm. you had your hands on it. You used yeah. an earlier version. I played earlier an version, earlier revision of it several months ago, yeah. The actual like haptic response stuff sounded interesting to me from what mm-hmm. you were, how you were describing it. That's the it. coolest thing about it, I think. Well, the two coolest things about it are the haptic stuff as well as how weirdly well the cursor stuff works. So the they're trying to bridge the gap between mouse and keyboard and a traditional controller by allowing your thumb to kind of slide around a touchpad that controls a cursor. Like I've been calling it a cursor pad. I don't think that's an official word, but it's like to differentiate it from a traditional touchscreen in the sense that as you move your thumb around it to control a cursor on the screen the way you would with a mouse, um, there's haptic feedback and a tiny speaker in it that plays a little like tick, 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 tick sound that makes it feel like it, it has the sensation of like, of, of, um, like the big wheel of fortune wheel, you know, where like as well, it goes slower, it, like, you heal, you hear it go. Tick slower, and it feels like you're actually manipulating a mechanical wheel. So, is it the audio like the an old, like an old iPod? Because uh, yeah, it's like that. The very first iPod yeah, yeah. was an actual wheel that spun, but uh-huh. then they eventually just replaced it with a strip of trackpad that made that little hardware tick. As yeah, it makes but that, that's that what thing. But that like, plus haptic. there being yeah. a little bit of actual, a little like, bit of actual like, haptic so feedback. Yeah, like, like the pulses tick sound was, bit, was yeah. in a combination with a pulse. Is the thing pulse? Like, because it's stupid. Wow, not stupid, but hyper specific. Does it? Does the whole pad? pulse or is there like a 
specific point on the pad that uh, moves around on the pad. Or can you not tell from? I don't remember. I can't. It was several months tell ago. I, I remember that it felt good though. You know what I mean? Like it just it was it worked. It's, whatever they did, it sounded from Valve's description good. like the entire device, like the entire pad yeah. was one uniform piece because they said. As a fun party trick, it also can double as a speaker because it is just a slight weird like little basin that they can control the vibration of to the point that they can actually make the touchpad itself emit sound, which is ridiculous. Well, I think there might actually be a speaker inside of it. That's not how they describe it. Oh, they said, they said okay. as a fun party trick, the thing itself can actually oh, that's generate – like it can double as a uh-huh. like low-fidelity speaker. So maybe it was – maybe the vibration was actually creating the noise when you were using it. Maybe, 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 maybe it was. But it, it felt really slick. Like it didn't – it didn't feel clunky or like I don't know. I I find there to be so few controllers that I actually like the feeling of. Um, but this and this cursor thing seemed like just pr- a prime candidate for just feeling overly complex and gross because there have been a lot of controllers made for PCs right. that is like, what if you didn't need to use your mouse and keyboard? And they just it's just garbage always. You know, and this actually felt really good. Like we played. Um, we played the cave and broken age, which is the like Kickstarter adventure game. And, uh, like it just, the computer just interpreted it as a mouse and you just move the cursor around and there was like basically no learning curve. It just felt really good. Uh, it was really cool. Cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't play any like hardcore platformer stuff, but, um, uh, Tommy Refines, who was one of the two guys who made super meat boy, Put up a post he on his blog. On he was the programmer. Right. Yeah, he was the programmer of Super Meat Boy. He put a post on his blog about using it to play Super Meat Boy and various other uh, kind of more intense games. And he seemed to say it worked pretty well. Like there were little things that he took issue with, and like some of them, when he pointed them out to Valve, they just said, "Oh," and they went and they actually just, just tweaked firmware the firmware, build, yeah. firmware and like changed it. And then in other cases. He suggested things that they're like, oh, yeah, that's the thing we've been thinking about. Like, we might actually do that for the final one. So, you know, it's it's not done at all. And they're doing that weird beta thing. Yeah. But um, but I don't know. It seemed like a really promising direction to me. Cool. And, like, the, the, um, the cursor pads, in addition to operating as a cursor, they can also operate as face buttons, which is interesting. Like a lot of people right. have seen the controller and been like, these buttons are really inaccessible. It's, again, like but those iPad, are like like the original iPod yeah. click wheel, where that was a touch surface, but it also was on a slight right. gimbal, so you could click it in exactly. different directions. Yeah, right. So like the those A B X Y buttons on that you see in the controller, those are more like the function of start and select and stuff like that. Those aren't intended to be the face buttons. Like face buttons are actually on the pads themselves. So the intent behind that, then I guess, is that you'd like if you were playing a dual stick game. You would be using your right thumb, dragging it around to be on the right stick, but then clicking up, down, left, or right would yeah. be the equivalent of moving your thumb to A, B, X, or Y. Right, exactly. Yeah, that seems really appealing, except that I can't actually like I can't picture yeah, it because you've never done anything like that. Yeah. It's funny, unless you're playing like uh, like Call of Duty, actually. Like uh, if you play Modern Warfare, you're basically your fingers on the triggers. So like the bumpers and the triggers are your right. primary yeah. p- buttons, I mean, and then you like end up clicking the right. The stick thing is to most do, right, yeah. The things. thing is most games that require both that I mean most games that use a controller at this point they're either games where your right thumb is ninety percent of the, the time button. on the stick, or right. it's like Super Meat Boy or something where ninety percent of the time it's on the face buttons. Right. So I mean. There aren't a lot of games where you're constantly switching back between the two, except to do incidental things like change weapons. Right, but or, it's, it's interesting that with the Steam controller, you could conceivably actually support that because the face buttons are actually just a rocker right. on top of but the I, analog stick. I still think you wouldn't want to overdo it because then you run into problems of like, well, well to, like, I'm moving my thumb over down, to the I'm other side and, and like, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to hit X. Yeah. Be but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a big problem because I don't think most games require that. Sure, very that's true. Reason. Worst case, though, you'd get the equivalent <laughs> of, you know, well, I guess. Worst case, the notion of clicking the fucking right stick will not be abysmal like it is on every game right now. But (laughs) as an improvement to that, you could conceivably support the notion of sort of multi-directional stick clicking if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Just I'm moving in a direction and I sort of want to do the aggressive version or the confirmed version of it by sort of just punching your thumb down. But yeah, I know what you mean about... Then there's other stuff that wasn't even in it when I used it, like the, the central... Uh, touch screen. Mm-hmm. I hope that that is a capacitive touch screen like iPhones and not 
a pressure-based one like check supermarket checkout things in the end like uh, the Wii U controller, but I imagine it will be. What is, sorry, explain the two. Uh, like iPhone touchscreens or modern smartphone touchscreens, you can just touch your phone to the hard surface and you like just basically complete a charge. The, yeah, you complete yeah. a charge with the presence of your finger. Whereas, uh, like the touchscreen on a Nintendo DS, you have to actually push down because it's actually waiting for oh, hard oh, input. Like it's waiting uh-huh. for pressure input. Right. I imagine Valve isn't going to be doing that kind, I and mean, that kind is not really in style anymore, except yeah for Nintendo and supermarket checkout things. Right. Cheap and, um, but it's because yeah. like the yeah, but it's also yeah, it's a reason why smartphones and iPhones and iPod touches are as expensive as they are. Yeah, so it'll be interesting mm. to see yeah, interesting. what Valve's doing to keep the cost low on that. Probably right. the answer is it's the size of three postage stamps. But right, yeah, it is small. Yeah, well, it's interesting. They were saying I was reading an interview or something where they were saying that, or maybe it was just their website. The when. When you're when information is actually being displayed on that little thing, that's rad. It's mirrored up on the screen as an overlay right. <coughs> through Steam, so you which put, is really cool. You can sort of fat finger it and then <laughs> find correct by yeah, exactly. without having to look down at your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Um, which is nice. Which also means hopefully developers aren't actually using it for like asynchronous dual screen stuff. Which put a I just cool don't, HUD on that. Yeah, like, which I just don't really want to deal with that. No, but it means <laughs> you could put a couple very simple uh, additional like toolbar buttons or something on there that you can sort of just. Yeah. mash the left side of it or the right side of it uh-huh. with your thumb or yep. drag a thing around really quick or something. I think a lot of what they're I think a lot of what they're trying to achieve for this is like a big enough blank slate that p- even people who make crazy strategy games and stuff can m- make a pretty good stab at at actually achieving everything within well, the context of this controller. You can tell that's their goal know? because the big splash image for all of this stuff is Civ 5 on a living room TV. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which is the like Always the stupid litmus test for can this stuff work? <laughs> right, can yeah. you ever could you play a full civilization game on your couch? And yeah, <clears throat> they're trying to show you that you can, I guess, by showing two weird cardboard cats playing yeah. know, on a couch. Well, and one of the other things that's funny about about a lot of uh, a lot of a particular uh, you know grand strategy games and and games like that, a lot of them are not actually super complex from an inputs in input ugh, input standpoint. They just really, really, really need a cursor. You know, it's not it's not like they actually have. 8,000 keyboard inputs you need to be pressing, although a lot of them have shortcuts to right. make things easier. But it's more it's just, just, just that like, you just need an actual mouse because there's right. so many different things to click on. Like something on. like Crusader Kings, it's, it's, you need the mouse because of that fidelity of control. Like the, exactly, the, yeah. What you have to click on is so small relative right, to right. the size of the screen. But it's not like there's like 800 buttons in that game on the keyboard that you're pressing. It's just... No. That game would be bad on a TV, though. No, 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 I know it would, but that game probably wouldn't be great. But like... Um, but my point in general is just that there are a lot of games that are hard to play with a controller simply because you need a mouse, not because you actually need as many keys as are on a keyboard. Right. And this sol- this controller solves that, I think, really well. Do you, is that is the controller a multi-touch controller? I mean, are those trackpads, do they work like the Apple laptop trackpads? So you can put multiple fingers on them? I don't know why, why you, would you ever, ever have more than one thumb on it. I guess you wouldn't, but... Ooh. Thinking, about playing, <laughs> thinking about playing a Crusader Kings game or a Civ game... With a mouse, the notion of scrolling the camera around, zooming in and out, making a fine point selection, making a drag select, all of that stuff happens with your index finger and your wrist. Like, mm-hmm. that's just, I click or I click and drag or I scroll the scroll wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that Apple tried to deal with that on touch surfaces was with multi touch stuff. But I imagine that with this, you're just going to need to, like, Hold a trigger down, which is the equivalent of like your whole, clicking, oh, and, right, yeah. and then use and then swipe your thumb along the touchpad, okay. and then you're zooming or like mm-hmm. press down on the pad. To right, drag. Right, like, right, it's right. going to be interesting to see how yeah, that stuff yeah, yeah. getting more complicated than just point and click seems right. odd. Just given you're replacing your index finger and your <coughs> and your wrist as two different elements with your thumb doing all of it because your thumb is right. moving the cursor yep. and you, executing commands. Yeah, but you're probably not going to be able to. Click and drag with your thumb. Right, but that seems feel like garbage. That, that action is like principal to mouse-based right. games. But even uh-huh. thinking about like having to outsource that to two fingers is like is weird. Yeah, like, right. my brain immediately goes. Uh-huh. But I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know. When I can win a Dota match from my couch, <laughs> God, there was a guy. You will be beaten by a guy on his couch before you, you win. You a Dota definitely match fucking will, because there is a guy. I. So it was linked on Twitter just from some uh, StarCraft guy that I follow. He was like, check this fucking guy out. And I clicked on the Twitch stream and it was in you know live at the time. And it's a guy 
who just fucking tears it up on Battle.net with an Xbox controller in StarCraft. It was terrifying. Like his binds, he just bounced stuff. To, yeah, to his he has like mouse's like right, is like right stick, and he does all of his like drag select and everything with this controller. And he was just lounging back in his chair with this controller, just taking guys apart. It was terrifying. It was fucking terrifying. It's gonna be me. <laughs> that Steam controller. What you're gonna do is you're gonna take out Steam controller players with your Xbox controller. No, no, you're not. That's insane. That's it, though. If I can win a Dota match, oh, I thought thing, you were gonna say that's it. No, no, no I mean that's week. it for. Well, yeah, it'll be it for. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm off the podcast, and <laughs> where Campo Santo's first game is gonna be canceled because I'll just be. Once you can sit back on your couch and play Dota, yeah, that's my good life will end. And <laughs> my new life will begin. Your good life will ends now. Yeah. yeah, nothing beats that. Your good life ends now. Your great life begins now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll also start a cult. <laughs> That about does it for this episode of Idle Thumbs. Maybe next week we'll have played a new game. Join oh, us for episode 127. What will that new game be? Find out. Maybe Nick Brecken will be here finally. There might be more Nintendo news. Maybe maybe I've played some Spelunky next week. Check in on our Mario coverage. <laughs> I love Mario. I love Spelunky. They're the same fucking thing. They're not the same thing. Second part of the podcast, fighting on... <laughs> An amazing, amazing thing would be looking at the trailer for Super Mario 3D World. Oh my god, he's still talking about it. But imagining that that game had somehow been authored in the manner of the create a roguelike experience from parts like Spelunky. <laughs> I would then disappear. Actually, my good life would end because my great life would begin and you would never see me again. I don't understand so why readers you... make this happen. Okay, like oh my god, the podcast is still going. <laughs> anyway, you put someone's blood in the petri dish, and then a puppet leaps. Out. <laughs> All right, bye. See you next week. Read us on iTunes. Mm-hmm.